Hey, Courageous Help listeners, Natalie here. Before we dive into my conversation with Monique, I just wanted to let you know that we are going to be taking a bit of a break from releasing episodes. And if you are missing your regular dose of e-inspiration, I recommend going back to some earlier episodes, or you might not know that you can watch the video versions of our podcast at basehq.com for a little bit of a shakeup. We also have a ton of blog articles, on-demand webinars, guides, and more that you can find on LinkedIn, Instagram, we are at the Base app, or on our website at basehq.com. If you are listening to this as it's released, we actually have an inbox management masterclass happening next week that I'm really excited about and I would encourage you to register for. And there are just plenty of things to keep you busy while we are taking a little bit of a break. And I can't wait to be back with more conversations for you very soon. So with that, let's get to my conversation with Monique. Welcome to Courageous Help by BASE where we believe in the power of assistance to change the world. I'm Natalie Turner, Executive Assistant at BASE. Here on Courageous Help, we sit down with current and former assistants who are challenging the status quo. From impacting global business practices to molding new career paths and beyond, all while managing their full plate as an assistant. Join us while we explore how today's assistants can leverage their position to drive positive change. Today on Courageous Help, I am so excited to be chatting with Monique Hellstrom. Monique spent nearly a decade as the executive assistant, producer, and chief of Simon Sinek, a New York Times bestselling author and TED celebrity. And since then, Monique has toured internationally, delivering workshops and keynotes to help audiences understand and utilize their innate talents, master their communication, conquer their organizational roadblocks, and build powerful relationships that will actually progress their career. So to start us off, Monique, I would love to hear about your unique experience for becoming an assistant, because we all have one. (laughs) And then also kind of expanding on that, would love to hear more about how you turned that experience into a successful speaking career and all, all the things that you've done. All the things that I've done. Well, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Hello out in the virtual world. So yes, I am and will always consider myself a form of an executive assistant. I think I was born an executive assistant. I just didn't really know what that meant for a long time. My first few jobs all revolved around assisting CEOs and executives in their company. I was a coordinator. I was an administrative assistant. I was a receptionist. I was an office manager. Ever since I was, I could walk, I was organizing and and conducting some sort of a help to the visionaries out into the world. Mm -hmm. And so my career just sort of grew from there. I went on and off as an executive assistant for most of my career. And there's always a possibility I will go back to that career at some point. And so, yeah, my career just grew and grew and grew. And then I obviously got the job with Simon Sinek and started off as the executive assistant, quickly became a producer, quickly became the person who produced almost everything that he did in his world and grew the partnership from there. You know, we had many pitfalls, we had many fall downs, many screw ups, but we we got through them and we worked hard and grew to the space that we're in right now. Knowing that I have helped shape his career, knowing that I helped shape our partnership and our relationship as 
the visionary and the detail person, I knew I was able to help other people reach their highest potential as well. So when it was time for me to depart the organization, there wasn't really even a question of where I was going to go from there. I sort of knew that this was going to be my career progression from the start. I love being able to inspire and help other executive assistants out there and let them know that they are good enough and they are smart enough. They are worthy individuals in their own way. Wonderful. I think people can look at your career and think like, wow, you know what it must have taken. And obviously it took a lot, but I love that it was just sort of like, nope, I started, I kept going. Eventually I wound up here and we figured it out together as we went. And then it was just a natural progression into, of course, I'll be continuing to help people with this on, on a a broader scale or a, a different kind of broad scale. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. And based on your experience, I'm sure you'll have a lot of really great advice and takeaways for our audience today, particularly around the importance of communication in building powerful partnerships. So would love to hear you riff on that. But before we kind of dig into that, and I'm sure it'll kind of naturally progress into that, but I would love to start off more broadly with our big question of the podcast, which is how do you think assistants are changing the world? And how are you supporting that? Absolutely. I think assistants have always changed the world. I'm a big believer that there needs to be all types of people in the world. And if we had a world of only visionaries running around, everyone would just have all these really great ideas, but nothing would come to life. And if we had only the detailed people, we would all just be knocking our heads and trying to figure out what to build and what to grow. I relate the relationship between an executive and their assistant is the same relationship between an architect and a builder. Mm. One's the visionary, one's the creator, one's the designer, one is the maker of the future state that is not yet created. And then there's the people behind the scenes turning wrenches and taking drywall and doing all the things in order to build that house, in order to make that come to life. And I think that's how we change the world. We are building the dreams and the visions and the ideals of our innovative culture, of our visionaries, of those out there that are able to invent and create new and exciting products and new and exciting things. We are the ones behind the scenes, taping drywall and turning wrenches and and building the world that we're in. I don't think we would have the world that we live in if we didn't have the detailed people behind the visionaries making every one of their dreams come true. I love how you put that. And, you know, as I think about being able to support the world changers and they're almost not being, not that there's not a difference, but just that one couldn't exist without the other is what you were saying. And, and I think that as always, it's important for people in, in the assistant community to hear that, you know, it's not just, oh, they could do this, you know, without me, or I'm, I'm replaceable with someone else who's, it's like, nope, you're so matched for the person that you're supporting and being able to make the things that they dream up come to life is such a huge responsibility and honor. And so, yeah, we should be different individuals. We're not the same. We don't have the same strengths. We don't have the same weaknesses. We don't have the same tendencies and traits and behaviors and attitudes. And we shouldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, diversity and diversity is good in the entire world. We need all types of people, all shapes and sizes and races and creeds and talents and skills. We need everyone. And so that was a fault that I know I had in my career, especially as a young 
administrative assistant and executive assistant said I wanted to be that visionary. Mm. I wanted to be more like the people that I was supporting, thinking that that was going to help me in my career. And the more I pushed to be a visionary, the worse off I was because I was in a major state of imposter syndrome Mm. and it wasn't who I was. I wasn't connecting to my own strengths that I wasn't connecting to who I was as an individual. So it was actually a detriment to my career to try and become something that I wasn't. When I finally embraced that I am, I am a number one activator. I am a D and disc. I am a detail type, a post-it note, loving girl. If once I just embraced that and became that person, there was no telling what I could do. Mm, somebody needed to hear that. So I'm so Good. glad that I'm so glad that you shared it. Good. And I want to hear now kind of more about what we were talking about regarding the power and importance of communication in building these partnerships, these relationships between the innovators and the builders or the architects and the builders as you yeah. were. Yeah. Communication is my soapbox for so many reasons. I think it's the most important skill that we've never been taught how to do. Maybe we're supposed to learn it from our parents, but what if our parents are terrible communicators? You know, I grew up with a yeller and an avoider. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was not great communication lessons when I was a kid. And then maybe you're supposed to learn in school, but they don't teach you. Even, even when we're reading books like Huckleberry Finn, where there's tons of communication lessons within that book, and we're just really never taught how to do it. And then we get into the workforce and we're just supposed to know how to do it. So it is my soapbox. It's something that I will never stop trying to teach. And it's, it really does. I read a a study done by Dale Carnegie that said 85% of one's financial success is due to their skills and communication, even in technical fields. Now this was in the 1930s. Can you imagine what this was today? You know, this was Dale Carnegie's time. So I'm out there to say communication is one of the most important factors in the success or failure of your life, let alone your career, especially in these connected partnerships with our executives. These are relationships. Make no mistake about it. These are Mm -hmm. partnerships. These are relationships. And we have to treat them as such. And where we try and stay away from them, be like, no, 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 that's not a relationship. We're avoiding the potential for closeness and connection and support and and um, all of that so I think the more we can concentrate on our communication habits the better our relationship will be with our executives without a doubt a hundred percent and that's what I share so often with our community is this like this mindset of you have to understand that you're building a relationship and you do it in the same way that you would build a relationship with anyone you care to have a thriving, thoughtful relationship with and communication being such a big piece of that. And you're right that, you know, we're not taught how to do this. And so for someone who is hearing this and is hearing like, okay, I get it. I get that this is important, but yeah, like you were saying, maybe they didn't grow up having that modeled for them, or maybe, you know, they weren't a communications major in, in college. Where would they start in wanting to learn about this? So in, in the same places that you learn about everything else, you know, look online, look for some online courses. LinkedIn Learning has some great courses. Udemy has great courses. There's a number of amazing books out there. I love Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott and Crucial Conversations. There's a number of great, great communication books out there. I have two online courses that I host on communication, but it's really the passion and the 
push to just get started, to just want to fix their communication skills. I talk a lot about one step at a time, one turn of the dial at a time, one baby step at a time. We all want to say, oh, I'm going to improve my communication. I'm going to read 10 books and I'm going to take 14 courses and I'm going to you know, do this and do that and, and try to change my communication pattern in the next month, you know, by September 1st, I'm going to change my communication habit. Just doesn't work like that. You know, behavior change is slow. It's like fixing crooked teeth. You know, it takes a while. We have to get to that point. So just start, make one communication change today, whatever that may be, um, eliminating your blur words, trying to get rid of some of your ums and likes and, and those sorts of speech disfluencies, whether it is being clearer in your communication, whether it's using your voice more than your fingers to type on email. You know, there's some baby steps that we can take automatically without having to go through and research a lot of different courses. But again, there's there's a number of courses out there and I'm a big fan of a lot of them and breeding. The other piece of this is that we've been discussing is there's communication and then there's relationship building. And obviously communication is a piece of that. But if for example, you're the only one, not that you're the only one working on it, but if you're the only one in your partnership who is trying to work on this, it can be challenging because if you're trying to build this relationship, you can do everything correct. You can, you know, take all the courses and, and learn all the things. And do you think that there is a point where communication can't like cut through in terms of relationship building? So yes and no. I think there we do have an individual responsibility to be the best versions of ourselves at all times. So regardless of whether or not the other person on the receiving end is being the effective communicator that you are, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. We only have control over this thing right here. You know, what we say, how we act, and how we look when we're saying it. That's all we have control over is our words, our nonverbal and our tone. And, and these are the thing, our body movements. This is what we have control of. We don't have control over the other side. So I'm a big fan of living in integrity with that and just being mm-hmm. the best communicator. You can be regardless. And I do think there is a limit. If it's like, if you go to couples counseling with your significant other and you're the only one that's attending and the other person isn't attending, well, at some point, the amount of work that you're going to do is not going to affect change. So at one point, you're going to have to figure out, is the change that I want to affect more important than where I'm at at this moment? And is this something that I need to alter in my life? So I think, yes, absolutely, there is a point where, unfortunately, if the recipient is not willing to participate in a conversation or in a communication pattern, then you have to make the decision for yourself whether or not it's worth it to stay and continue to be the best version of yourself or if it's time to go. Mm-hmm. I asked what that. What an answer. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I was going to say I asked that because I know that in this role, it is such a dance of figuring out what's mine to own and what isn't. And so I, I just wanted to hear your perspective on that. And I appreciate yeah. what you shared about it. We can only own ourselves. That's it. That, you know, we can't control as much as we want to control everyone else. Man, would that be fun if I just had a little bit of joystick that I could just make everyone jump whenever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately we can't. So all we can do is use the tools that we have and the, and our voice to influence and make the world a better place. And 
dialing it in further, I know you have courses. I know you have all of these things. What would you say specifically for assistants, people in this profession, what would the top communication tool or practice or something that people could start implementing today, even just from listening to this? Sure. I'll give you two. I mentioned one of them is to use your words two times more than you use your fingers. Email and texting were created to enhance our biological ability to speak, not as a replacement of. And we are overusing text and email and Slack and Teams, and we are overusing that technology. And it is damaging to our verbal communication, this damaging to our relationship ability. So if you can use your voice, use your voice. Even if you're remote and you don't sit next to your executive, that's fine. There are many technological tools that we can use. There's Boxer and Marco Polo and voice memos and, and a number of different ways. Or just the plain old telephone. Remember, yeah. that's the thing too, <laughs> that old school thing called the telephone. We can use that or Zoom or making sure that we're giving the other person the ability to hear our tone and hear our nonverbals and hear, you know, are the inflections in our voices. So without a doubt, that's the biggest thing that I think will change the face of your relationship is the more connection you can have in a verbal manner that I think is huge. And then an easy tip that I'll just throw out is blur words. You know, blur words are words that mean different things to different people. And we talk a lot in blur words these days. You know, can you do this immediately? When will you get this I'll get this to you soon. These are blur words. I don't immediately mean something different to me than it does to you. These are words that we need to clarify. So just try your best to speak in specific terms and clarify the things that you're saying so that there is no confusion. That's super helpful. And to your first point, I know that before, you know, I've typed out a Slack message and I read it and then I start recording it on a voice note. And I'm like, I'm recording this because I would like you to tone as I say this, just to make sure that I am coming across the way that I mean to. Uh, So I really appreciate that tip. And I think that as a tech forward company and as so many people have switched to remote work or have been more and more expected to respond in real time on Slack or, or that kind of thing that reiterating the power of using your actual literal voice with sound and tone and and all of it I think is is important especially for people in in this specific role so yeah yeah I used to get emails from people and then I would pick up the phone and call back and say I'm responding to your email (laughs) and then they would email me back and I would pick up the phone I'm responding to your email and some people like it some people don't but if we don't practice if we don't get back into a habit of using our voice we are not going to survive as a people. We will just not, in my opinion, and in many scientists' opinion. <laughs> yeah. I love that we're having this conversation right now. I'm just kind of having a meta moment where I'm like, this is important. And I'm glad that someone has brought it up. And I'm curious, just sort of as we're, we're wrapping up our conversation, is there anything either regarding communication and in relationship building, or again, sort of jumping back to assistance, changing the world that you feel like we didn't get to complete or that you wanted to share sort of your final thoughts before I ask you more about where people can find you and that kind of thing. Sure. Sure. I'll give you uh, one tip. You know, I talk 
I talk a lot about knowing yourself. Knowing yourself is really the basis for how you're going to act, how you're going to behave, how you can live in integrity with your values. And we instinctively know when somebody else is not self-aware or somebody else is self-aware. We've all been around people that are very unself-aware and we're we sort of look at them and we're like, how do you operate in the world on a daily basis? And then we've all been around people who are extremely self-aware and they know themselves and they understand their behaviors and their tendencies and their traits. But we don't actively do anything to make ourselves self-aware. Mm. So I'm out there also banging the drum, letting everyone know that it's okay to take personality tests, to understand what your star sign means or what your name means or or what your biggest strengths and, and weaknesses are and how you can use them and how you can use the tools that you have. We have to understand this machine so that we can accept this machine. That's the first step towards acceptance, self-awareness. And it's the first step towards really great leadership. It's being self-aware. So that I think is one of my, one of my biggest tips. Mm -hmm. It's that self-communication, honestly, that self-awareness and, and being able to truly know how you feel about something or how you would respond to something and the benefits of that instead of being so reactive. I think that's something we talk about so much in this industry in general is, you know, how do I be less reactive? And what you were saying about being the first step to leadership is having that self-awareness. So knowing how you tend to react in situations helps you mute or soften the edges of how you're going to react in that situation. Mm -hmm. So, so it's a, it's important for everyone, regardless of what level you work in your organization. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing all of that. And my last question, kind of just to wrap up is, do you have anything in particular right now that you would like to promote or a resource you'd like to share with our audience? I have my two online communications courses. My first one is 20 of my most often asked tips. Introduction to Effective Communication is the course name of that. And that is quick and easy. It's about an hour. And it's, again, 20 of my favorite tips. My second course is about conflict management Mm -hmm. and how to give feedback. And that is a longer course. It's a little bit more in depth, but it talks all about giving and receiving of hard feedback. And you can find both of them on the website. Beautiful. And we'll have all of that linked in the show notes and everything. And people can find you everywhere, I'm assuming. You LinkedIn. can find me everywhere. Yeah, LinkedIn. I don't use Facebook too much, I have to admit. But okay. Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and my website, MoniqueHellstrom.com. Perfect. We'll get all of that linked. And thank you so much for sharing with me today, Monique. And it was wonderful chatting with you. Wonderful chatting with you too. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Courageous Health, brought to you by BASE. Learn more about how BASE is helping modern assistants maximize their potential at basehq.com or find us on LinkedIn at basehq or on Instagram at the BASE app. Don't forget to subscribe to Courageous Health wherever you get your podcasts.